You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about how to take a trial, flip it, turn it into a triumph. And nobody likes trials, but if you learn how to approach them with the right mindset, the trial can actually catapult you into a place of victory that you wouldn't have gotten to otherwise. And we'll talk about that for quite some time so you fully understand it. Let's go to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works or exercises patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, patience is the ability to hold a steady course without yielding to the external pressures of the world. I remember early on, first few times I went to church, I heard the pastor mention this thing called the world. The world this, the world that. We don't live according to the world. The world is not our friend. And I thought, what is he talking about? But it didn't take me long to recognize that there is indeed a hostile world spiritually that is opposed to the things of God. And in my first month of following Christ, this became a very real thing to me. I began to see how Satan worked in the world to try to fight me to keep me from following Christ. Now, when I came to Christ, I lived with my father. He was an executive in a company in downtown Dallas. We lived in a suburb. And um, uh, I had my own car, and we lived in a nice place, and uh, things were really going smooth, or so it seemed. I had all of these different things going on in my life. I was a football player. I had the promise of getting to go to college. Uh, I had loads of friends, had a girlfriend, first steady girlfriend I'd ever had. Everything was going great, but I knew I was missing something. And so I had given my heart to Christ at a crusade and uh, changed my life. But shortly thereafter, things began to go south. Um, First thing that happened was that uh, I wanted to talk to everybody I knew about Christ. I'm trying to share my faith. And one of my best friends asked me to come over and have a talk with his mom. His mom was churchgoer. They went to church every Sunday. They sat me down, and they talked to me, and they said, Willie, it's fine to believe in God, but you don't have to tell everybody, and you don't have to become a fanatic. We're concerned about you, Willie. We think that you're going off the deep end. Just tone it down. Now, this was interesting to me because she had never one time said anything to me about buying beer for her son and getting him drunk. I don't know that she actually knew that, but she certainly had to expect it. 
and uh, I was the one who kept him out late at night, and uh, we were always drinking. We couldn't do anything without drinking, and so she never said a word about any of that, never one time, Uh, but she was talking to me now about uh, church and trying to talk me out of going to my church. Then my own girlfriend did the same thing. She said, Willie, you don't have to be a fanatic. And I said, all I want to do is share my faith. I want to tell other people what happened to me. What's so bad about that? I know kids that are in deep trouble right now who need Christ. And I I wasn't preaching all day long every day. I wasn't yelling and screaming in the hallways of high school. But when I had uh, appropriate opportunities, I was already sharing my faith. And by the way, most new converts come to Christ and win other people in those first few weeks and months of their Christian experience than any other time because they have so many friends that are still out there in the world. And so I was exploiting that. Uh, Then my dad comes along. And this is about three weeks after I had given my heart to Christ. I was getting ready to go to church one night. And he asked me, he said, what are you doing? And it was a weeknight, school night. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to a revival. He said, no, you're not. And I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe he said that. I said, why, Dad? Why can't I go? And he said, because I want you to quit going to that church. And actually, I wasn't even going to my church. I was going to a friend's church. It was a revival just down the street, not too far away. But my dad said, you can't go back to your church. I said, what do you mean, Dad? I can't go back to my church. He said, it's too far. Well, it was, 21 miles. But it was where I was supposed to be. It's where I was fed. I had a connection, a spiritual connection to the pastor. The first time I went, I knew this is my home. This is where I need to be. And this is where I was getting my spiritual food. I knew this is critical to me continuing to walk with God. And now here's my own father telling me I can't go. Now this was, this was very similar to my friend's mom. My dad knew I was drinking. My dad knew I was having wild parties. My dad knew I had all these different things going on in my life. Never one time sat me down and told me, don't do this anymore. But now that I have faith in Christ and I'm going to church, my dad says, you can't go to church. So I made the decision that if my dad was going to keep me from going to church, that I couldn't live with my dad anymore, and I would have to go live with my mom. My mom was addicted to prescription painkillers, and uh, she was always high. And uh, I hated having to be around her, but I went back to live in her apartment And even though it meant me giving up my car, it meant me giving up money, it meant me giving up all kinds of things to be able to go to church. I had to hitchhike to get back to church. I had to talk with friends who wanted to go with me. And I'd led two or three friends to Christ who did uh, have cars that took me to church, and, and they got saved too. So God always provided. I don't know how I got to church, but I got there every service. Then within just a few weeks, a man gave me a car. And so I was blessed with everything I'd given up. God was giving it back to me. I gave up my girlfriend. Every time we went out, she would try to talk against what I was doing. And I could see this is going to be a war. And a lady at church, when I requested prayer for this, said, Willie, you need to look at this verse, 2 Corinthians six fourteen: Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. I could see it. I didn't want to do it, but I knew it was the right thing. 
I broke up with my girlfriend. Within a couple of days after that, I was called to ministry. My uncle, who was a pastor, invited me to come and live with him the next school year, finish out my year there, and the next school year come to live with him, and he would help me to get into Bible school. When my football coach heard about this, in the middle of the day, called me into the principal's office and did everything he could to talk me out of going to go live with my uncle. He and the vice principal, they spent a better part of an hour trying to reason with me and talk me out of leaving. I knew I had to go. I knew it was what God had wanted me to do. Now that all happened in about a four to six week period. All of a sudden, I knew what the world was all about. The world is set against the plan of God for your life. The key is, what are you going to do about it? When these things begin to happen, you have to learn to look in the right place. So I want to turn your attention to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, which tells us how to overcome when we're getting hit with all these things. Hebrews 12, 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, there are thousands of people cheering us on from heaven. Some of these people you personally know. They're your believing grandparents or other people who went on to heaven before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Again, here's that word, run the race with patience, meaning that there are going to be times that you run that things are going against you. The wind blows against you right into your face while you're running, or you come to the foot of a big hill and you got to run up the hill. You're encountering resistance when you do this. So how do you overcome it? Verse 2 gives you the answer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And here's how he did it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had something to look at that kept him going. It wasn't the cross. The cross was a place of shame. The cross was a place of suffering. The cross was not what he wanted to look at or focus on. He probably would not have been able to finish had he focused on the cross. We don't focus on the trial. We focus on what's on the other side of the trial, the thing that God puts into our hearts. That's what Jesus did. Jesus focused on the resurrection. He focused on salvation. He saw that his death on the cross was going to be the thing that would free all mankind from the grip of the devil, that anyone who wanted to believe could believe and be freed and forgiven of their sins. That's what he saw. And for that reason, he was able to endure the cross. He saw the great glory. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. There is that word, contradiction, again. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The world is going to contradict you. It is going to say things against you that do not agree with what God says. The only way that we can overcome this is to 
Look to something on the other side of the temptation. And that's the power of the cross. Now I want to read to you from the book of Matthew. And this is a very, very powerful idea. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now, as a young believer, when I read those words, I thought, wow, I have to be willing to die for my faith if I'm going to follow Jesus. And I thought, I wonder, and I'm thinking, is this the only way you can be saved? Because it appears that way. You have to die in order to save your life. And I didn't understand what Jesus was really saying. Now, there have been loads of people, uh, thousands and thousands, who did die because of their faith. But not all crosses lead to a physical death. When I gave up my car, that was a cross. When I gave up my girlfriend, that was a cross. When I gave up living with my father and having the promise of a football scholarship and being in a home where there's a lot of money, when I gave that up, I gave up, uh, I, I went to a cross of sorts. I went to a time of loss. And so the Bible tells us and shows us that there are times when we go through these crosses that we suffer temporary loss. And if you are afraid of temporary loss, you'll never be able to walk with Christ. You will from time to time have to give up certain things. But you do not have to give them up forever. And here's why. Jesus went to a cross, but he didn't stay on that cross. He hasn't continued to be on that cross all these thousands of years. Jesus was raised from the dead. So this is what I want to say to you. All crosses are temporary. And if your trial or your temptation should lead you to a cross, do not fear. Because every cross in Christ is followed by a glorious resurrection. You know what? Every one of those things that I gave up in order to follow Jesus and to fulfill God's plan for my life, every one of them, in some form or another, I got it back. God gave it back to me. But he gave it back to me in a much, much better form than what I could ever have done on my own. That is the joy of following Christ. So when we keep our eyes on Jesus during times of trial, it gives us an incredible source of strength and the, in, and the ability to endure because you know that on the other side of this trial, there's something that's far greater than anything I may be suffering right now. All the time I have for today, I'll see you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.